in preparing for the church this morning. I'd like to talk to you before I read the scripture about some, some great attributes of being a part of a church. The first thing I would like to talk to you about is the church fellowship. There's nothing in the world like fellowship. The neighborhood bar is possibly the best counterfeit there is to the fellowship Christ wants us to have in the church. I know you didn't ever think I would say anything like that. You may say, have you been to the bar just to pick up a family member? (laughs) I didn't taste and see. But Christ wants you to know that he's got the real deal and you don't have to go to the bar to get the real deal. However, be careful what you say about the man in the bar. He's in search of who you are. It's an imitation. And for every real thing that God has to offer, Satan has an imitation. He imitates the fellowship by dispensing liquor instead of grace, escape rather than reality, but it's a permissive and acceptive and inclusive fellowship. It's unshockable. It's democratic. You can tell people secrets, and they'll usually not even ever tell their best friend what you've told them at the bar. The bar flourishes not because most people are alcoholics, but because God has put within every one of us into the human heart the desire to know and to be known. To love and to be loved. And so many seek the real deal and they find themselves at the counter of a bar being sold a counterfeit with a few beers and with somebody that they can identify with who they are and to hear them respond about what they have to say. Well, my heart, I believe that Christ wants the church to be unshockable. I believe he wants us to be democratic, permissive, a fellowship where people come, come and say, I'm sunk, I'm beat, I'm broke, I've had it. Let me say this, alcohol anonymous has that quality too. Far too many churches too often miss it. Well, I love my church today because, listen to me, don't get this wrong. I believe we are, are democratic. I believe we are unshockable. I believe you can come to this church and you can pour your heart out and nobody will ever say, shame on you. But instead, they'll embrace you with a hug and say, I love you. God loves you. And he wants, you to, wants me to tell you, he's got a plan for your life. And all you have to do is open up the door of your life and invite him in. Friend, it's not about religion today. It's about relationships. And men and women go to the bar looking for relationship. Listen, if the enemy's trying to talk you out of a relationship with church today, he's trying to deceive you, and we're living in an hour of deception this morning. America is being deceived. Laws are being, laws are being put in place today where you, you cannot forbid your children to have a sex operation. On the birth certificates today, we're told that they don't even, whether it's a, a boy or a girl, they wait till the, the church child wants to choose what sex they are. Well, it's just my firm belief, and I know I'm from the old school, but God made me a man, and he put some signs and wonders on this body to prove that I'm a man. Amen. By the same token, ladies, he sure has blessed you, and I love the way he's blessed. There's times I just, I've looked at my wife and I can say what Adam said, whoa, man. You wouldn't think at a 70, 
or 60 or 50 year old pastor would say that but you know what we're all human we're all human I'm not some super hero trying to sell you a bill of goods. I'm trying to tell you, get on the right path, stay there, and we'll sing one day when we all get to heaven. What a joyful day that will be. Until we get there, we're here to have fellowship one with the other. I'd like to praise the the team that worked in the kitchen Friday night. I always get a little nervous when more than two of my family members get there because they tell stories that I can't tell. And laughter goes on in that kitchen like you won't believe. And I really get nervous because some of it might be on me. But there's a laughter that comes from that kitchen. And I've been so privileged to lay those ribs on the the plate of the people that go by. And I've done it so long that that they know me. They they recognize me and they say, Pastor, how are you? And if I I miss a, a month, they say, where were you last month? And, and, you know, there's just something that goes inside of me. I, I, I just enjoy seeing people eat food. Amen. My son tells me, he said, Dad, I don't understand you. I said, there's a lot of people that don't understand me, son. What's your, what's your beef today? He said, you talk about how God wants you to be healthy. And then he said, you're feeding those stinking pork ribs to people. and They're killing people. I said, we're all going to die someday, son. Just enjoy the trip. I don't want to miss it. I want you to look forward to coming to this church. There's something about the atmosphere here that just makes me really just want to do better than I've ever done before. It makes me want to dig harder than I've ever dug before. It makes me want to say things to you that will lift you up, not tear you down. It makes me want to tell you how great God is. He's such a good, good God. And then when I have the privilege of walking through 100 plus kids on Wednesday night or going through the rock and I see the walls already bulging at at the youth center, I think, God, you're so good. And you're the one who's able to do it far exceeding above what I'm able to think or ask. It's all about Jesus today. Let me tell you something. I'm not worried about how we're going to pay the bills because my heavenly father owns cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the gold under the hills and he owns the oil under the gold. And his grace is sufficient. It's made perfect in our weakest hour. But he chose you to have a part in it. And your giving today makes it possible. Your giving, the giving of our forefathers and many that have we've laid to rest on the other side of this blacktop the past 40 years worked hard so that we can enjoy what we're enjoying today debt free we never have to come to church and talk to you could you increase your giving we just release God to speak to you and you're such a responsive group of people I love my church this morning because you know how to respond to the voice of God many of us could have cut and ran there have been times when I Nearly every Sunday night, I've driven home from this place for almost 40 years, and I, I've said to myself, you know, I think to, I'll just write my resignation tomorrow. I, just, I think it's all over. After about the third pot of coffee on Monday morning, a little talk with Jesus, I think, Lord, we'll give her one more week, and we'll see how things turn out. And here we are today. If you think this church is missing the mark that God has planted out here in the middle of nowhere, with such an opportunity to present the gospel to an awesome community, please, please hear the cry of my heart today. Would you follow the example that Peter exposes to us today as we read the words of his testimony 
and you'll find them recorded in Matthew chapter 16. Could I read them to you? Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 begins like this. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he said to his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And then he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, He said, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to Peter, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And also I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Notice the benefits of the Holy Spirit as he's speaking. Jesus says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded the disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. When we look at this scripture, and think about the authority that God gives us, and he gives to ordinary people. He doesn't just pick out you, you, and you. He picks out ordinary people. He's not looking for celebrities today. He's just looking for ordinary people. That's how he chose the 12 that followed him called disciples. Peter was just an ordinary man, and Jesus had chosen him because he is just like you and me. You would think that Peter had it all together and that just because God had revealed to Peter who Jesus was, that Peter was some super spiritual hero, that he had it all together. But he's going to prove to us by what he had to say that he didn't have it together. As we look at Peter's life today, God had revealed, or God had revealed to Peter who Jesus was. In the same chapter of Matthew's gospel, Jesus begins to lay out the plan for his death, his crucifixion, his burial, and his resurrection, and the plan that God had for him, that he would be raised from the dead in three days. And Peter calls Jesus aside and begins to rebuke him and saying, Lord, that'll never happen to you. You're Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus turns to this same man and he says, Get behind me, Satan. This man that the Holy that God had just revealed, when Jesus said, "Who do men say that I am?" and Peter said, "I know who you are." He just the revelation knowledge had just flowed, and then Peter gets all he's still all taken up and thinking with his fleshly man. And Jesus lays out the plan. He says, "You'll never do that. I'll see that you don't have to go. I, I, I'm 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 your friend. I'm one of your disciples. You know I know you." And Jesus just turned and rebuked him. He said, "Get behind me, Satan." You're a stumbling block. A great message in that, especially for pastors. No matter how, how many times we hear from the Lord, no matter, no matter how many times we stand behind the pulpit, we're still just ordinary people. We sweat under the armpits. We need to shower a time or two a day. Our hair can look like last year's bird's nest if we don't keep it groomed. Listen to me. Just because God speaks to us is, not, no, is no sign we're super, superheroes. 
We're just ordinary people. And, and you know what? God wants you to realize that he has a plan for ordinary people. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John after, this, after Jesus had rebuked him and said, you're, you're acting just like the devil. Jesus invites Peter, James, and John in chapter 17 up on the side of the mountain. And Jesus was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. And there appeared Moses and Elijah talking to Jesus. Remember, they had been gone by the way of the grave for many years. Jesus was transfigured that day before Peter, James, and John. But Peter still doesn't get it. He's still using the old natural way of thinking even in the presence of God. And Peter says, Lord, it feels so good to be here. I've got the ability, and I want to show my ability right now. It's not only good to be here. I just want to tell you, Lord, since you've let me climb this mountain with you, let me build three shelters, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. While Peter was still talking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said to Jesus, or to, to Peter, James, and John, pointing to Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Let's take the, a look at Simon Peter's life for a moment. We've all heard the voice of God before. We've also heard the voice of mankind before. But Peter's life is an ordinary life, and it's filled with some very challenging moments. And we've heard the same voice that Peter has heard. No doubt after Jesus departed, Peter began to deal with the voice that the enemy uses on all of us. Did you notice how Jesus put you down today? Did you know how Jesus embarrassed you today, Peter? Did you notice that even the Son of God called you the devil? And then when you wanted to build three shelters, he ignored you. You know, Peter, you're not as special as you think you are. And you know, uh, Peter, you know the way they offer Christ, there's probably a better place for you to worship than where you're worshiping. And besides, you know, Peter, you know, there's a lot of hypocrites that grace that church. And, and there's a lot of people that are leaders there. They, they could be better, better Christians. I've saw, saw them speed. I have saw highway patrols pull over the pastor. If anybody should be an example, they should be. Yeah, you're right. That's why we ask you to pray for us every day. In fact, I was glad there was no traffic last night as I crossed the bridge. And I met an uninvited guest. Uh, moving on. People change, that's right. But I wanted to tell you something about Jesus and about how he fits into the church this morning. The Bible says Jesus knows what rejection is all about. And one thing that this church never does, it never rejects people. We're held under, under tight reins with our insurance company. We have a million-dollar liability if anything happens on this premises. If I offer any, any 
counseling to anybody that comes this way and it happens to be bad counseling, there's another million-dollar umbrella. And, and there are some things. We can't hire people that have a prison record, but I can tell you everybody can come to church. I've had calls from people, kids in this community, after they spent their time in jail or in a prison, and they've asked this question, Pastor, am I still welcome at Elk Grove? I said, absolutely, when you left, the door didn't lock, and it'll never lock. And you'll always be welcome. There's nothing that hurts worse than rejection. But the chief cornerstone of the church was rejected by his own. He came to his own. He came to the Jewish people. He came to his own, and his own received him not. And they're still looking for, the Jews are still looking for a Messiah today. Jesus just didn't fit the bill, you know. He went places where the Jews didn't think he should go, and he, he even sat at the well by Samaria and talked to the Samaritan lady who had been married five times, and the late man she was living with was not even her own. And he asked her, ma'am, would you give me a drink? They said, that can't be the Son of God. Notice in Matthew chapter 22, Verse 41, verse 42 says, Jesus said to them, Did you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it was marvelous in our eyes. He was the chief cornerstone 2,000 years ago, and he's still the chief cornerstone today. This facility, as nice as it is one day, the Bible says will turn along with all hay, wheat stubble, and wood, and it'll be about 10 inches of ashes like we saw happen in August of 90. Nothing. The stained glass and the mortar that holds it together was even gone. You could only pick up pieces of the stained glass and the pile of ashes. One day that's going to happen again. I can tell you, I don't intend to be here on the second go-around. I watched it the first go-around, but what the enemy thought he would do is destroy this place called Elm Grove. He thought he'd put an end to the future of this church, but we had dream makers that attended this church, and we had people that were willing to work and wasn't afraid to sweat, and, and, and they weren't afraid to give. And, the, and while the rumors were going on in the community, it's too big a job. They'll never rebuild. When the location was cleared and the cement trucks began to come this way, a family in Chester said, where are all of those trucks going? And the, and the answer was, haven't you heard? That people out at Elm Grove are pouring the footing in the floor for the new replacement of their facility. What the enemy thought he had turned for evil, God decided he would turn it for good. After all, it, this place has been here because of him, not because of us. In fact, I buried the couple and their daughters here this morning that walked seven miles through the pastures to get here after they'd milk cows on, morning, uh, on Sunday morning, and then they'd walk back and they'd do their chores after, before the sun set. I'm telling you, the first minutes I read of this place, uh, the Joneses sold two dozen of eggs and they didn't have to have the money. Another family sold cream and we, we were able to give our pastor $3.45 and we all rejoiced because he seemed so happy with that morning tithe and offering. 
This church was here then because he was the chief cornerstone. Been a lot of storms come our way. Been a lot of things that's transpired in our community. But it didn't change the position of Jesus. He's still the chief cornerstone. And Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And the greatest challenge we have today is just keeping our focus on Jesus. He's the author, the finisher of our faith. He's one who's touched by the feeling of our infirmities. And the Bible says he's not slack concerning any of his promises. But he's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. With God, nothing is impossible. But when we come to him, the Bible says all we have to do is believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek you. And while I was raised in in a pastor's home, my image of Jesus was he was always sitting where our youth pastor is this morning in a sound booth, which we didn't have, but he was in the back of the auditorium. He had this big, long iron rod with a steel ball on it. And I was raised in this kind of an atmosphere. If you make one bad move, God's going to get you for that. And I grew up in fear, and I thought, you know, if this is the way it is of following Jesus, I can't wait to get out of his sight and out of his reach. I don't want that ball hitting my head. It might hurt. But one day I found out that he didn't set it to the back of the building. He lives right here. And he says, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you can have as much of me as you want. All you have to do is come to me and believe that I am who I am. And I'll do what I said I'll do. And my, the Bible's filled with all of my promises. And all you have to do is get in, in agreement with my promises by saying, yay and amen. And I receive you. And Jesus, being the foundation of this church today, he was revealing to him, to Peter that day that not only was he laying a foundation for the church, but he was giving mankind the opportunity to carry on the work after he was gone. Today, you and I are building on a foundation that Jesus has laid. He's bought and paid for the foundation with his blood. I was here after the, after the front-end loaders lifted, took, took all the ashes from this facility. Nothing was standing. There was a dozer called in at midnight after the fire was totally contained and out, and we had one clay wall that was still standing, and they pushed that over knowing that there would be spectators here the following morning. After they had cleared the facility, the, the grounds and the ashes were gone, all the nails were gone, all the glass was gone. We began to take the jackhammer and begin to work the floor and dig out all the plumbing that had melted because of the fire. The decking on this facility is three and a half inches thick, and it made a tremendous fire. No wind that day. The, the people in downtown Woodward could see the black smoke as it curled from the top of this facility. But when we got to the foundation, the foundation was still good. It had been laid deep so they could withstand the weight. Where, the, where, the, where all of the columns go, it had been drilled down. 
with with a a big big drill that we use in the in the oil field, and the footings and the steel had been poured clear down to solid bedding because there was about nine foot of fill in this area. All the foundation was solid. All we had to do is take the plumbing out, replace it, and recap the footing with six inches of new concrete. Never forget, as the stone people begin to bring in the stone by the semi-load, and they begin to unload it, and many people would say, that, that's, that's, looking, that's going to look horrible to put all that stone on the wall. That, that, that doesn't fit. And the architect says, when you get the furniture in, the lights, no, it's all going to be right. And I watched the crew come in, and they would plaster that cement on the wall. And they would never look. They would reach down on the pallet, and they would pick up two rocks at the same time. It's imitation. It's very light. And they would place that. And it just seemed like every time they'd place it, they'd reach back down, and they'd place more, and they'd place another one. And I'd think, how do they know where that's going to fit? And if it didn't fit right there, there was another spot here it would fit. In just a matter of a few short days, these walls were standing covered with the stone that we enjoy today. Not one stone was rejected. It all fit. Not one stone was a misfit. When they got to the corners, there were special stones made for the cornerstone. And today, as you look at that stone, it sits on a foundation, and that foundation was built and laid by the blood of Jesus. It was paid for. It's been reinforced throughout the years gone by. And it's, it's there intentional because it's a place where the house of the Lord dwells. And it's just a temporary house until the road is called up yonder and we'll join those that have gone before. Our lives today are still under construction. It was a great day, the day that we finished the facility. 20 months after the fire, we moved in. Everything was done. I had looked for the day when the last nail gun would go off and the last stone was in place, and everybody said, it's time to party. And the day we moved in, had our celebration and dedicated, on Monday morning I woke up and I realized that I had been so busy that I had failed to enjoy the trip. I went through several weeks of trying to adjust. I didn't have to be up here at daylight. I, it wasn't a daylight till dark situation anymore. There, there wasn't a 20 men gathered in a, in a trailer house that we had gutted and made a dining hall where the ladies served hot meals six days a week to the guys that were working here putting the facility up. And then I realized, you know, it's awesome to get there but it's also awesome to meet people that enjoy the journey of getting there. And I'm just here to encourage you this morning that no matter where you're at in the journey of life, take a moment and take a deep breath and enjoy when God is for you who can be against you. He's already ordered your steps today. He already knows we're not perfect. He already knows the faults and failures that I have. You don't have, I don't have to magnify who I am, but my response is to his ability and who he is today. And every step that you take, I want to say this, somebody is watching you. 
I used to enjoy walking through the fellowship hall on Wednesday night. Name tags were on the kids. They thought I, 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 I knew them all by name. I'd look down and I'd see that name tag and I'd call, I'd say, hi, Johnny. Hi, Jimmy. <laughs> and Monday morning, I'd meet them in the classroom. I'd say, hi, buddy. And I, I thought, you know, they're probably saying that he's forgot my name since he slept. No, there was no label to tell me who Johnny and Jimmy were. I just knew their faces and knew who they were. But in the journey of life, God has ordained our steps. And people are watching today to see if we've got the goods. And the goods is this. Is this. We have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He's, it's all about Jesus it's all about everything he wants to accomplish in our lives. It's about the example. Deidre had the state championship girls in here because they are superheroes in the eyes of these little guys, and they were able to touch them. They were able to say hi and get a response. I wonder this morning in our community if there's anybody that I am overlooking to say hi. How are you doing? Is there somebody that I'm overlooking that I haven't seen before that needs just to hear the words that, it's really good to see you this morning. How are things going? It's awesome to realize that God places every opportunity before us, and he puts people in our pathway. And I want to close this morning by saying that the enemy is a dece- deceiver, and we're living in the most deceptive hours that we've ever lived. I love this church today because Jesus says, By this all men shall know you are my followers if you love one another. And I know my time is out, but I have one more scripture that I want to read you in closing today. And it's a message that God wants us to take home with us, and he wants us to process it because as Jesus asked Peter, James, and John, who do you say that I am? I wonder if the world really knows us as Christians today. We know we're Christians. You know that you're Christian. But notice the signs and the simplicity that God gives us in order to be identified with who we are. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, it says, This is the message which we have heard from him and declare that to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with the other. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Friend, if you're walking the pathway of Jesus today and you're miserable, could I ask you to pull the dipstick out and check to see where your fluid life is of fellowship? There's nothing like having good fellowship, and we all need each other. And we get together more times since our youth pastors came than we've ever got together before. I'm telling you, that man's running my legs off. But we're enjoying food, fun, fellowship. Amen. Some of the most, pe- most miserable people I know of are awesome people. They're great people. But listen, it takes fellowship. Yes. Amen. And, and I need fellowship. You need fellowship. And the person that says they don't need fellowship, they're not being truthful. I'm not going to tell them what our president would call them. We need each other. Every stone on this wall needs the one beside it to make it complete.
And you may think you're not missed when you're not here, but God knows it when you're not. And I usually know it. I don't amount to much, but he does. And he loves you today, and so do I. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, what an awesome privilege you give us. What an awesome privilege you give us today to be called the church. Lord, to know that the light of your word shines inside of our hearts. You transform us day by day. Lord, today you've given us a mind of Christ. The same spirit that raised you from the dead dwells in every believer here today. And there's no superheroes in the church. You're the hero of our life, though, because you're the chief cornerstone. You know what it is to be rejected? And so you can, you can relate to rejected people that are here today. You know what it is to be bruised and battered and taken advantage of and made fun of. And those that are sitting here today that have gone through channels of life and have faced the same storms of adversity can identify with you. The hurts and the shame that you went through Jesus is a perfect example that you deserve the, to be called a chief cornerstone. And we're here to honor you this morning. And my desire today is to see a, a congregation leave here elevated and knowing you're a part of our life, Lord. We're joined together. We're called the body of Christ. Lord, I just release the energy of the Holy Spirit to do a work in our lives this morning that only you can do. Lord, ignite a fire as you did on the day of Pentecost when cloven tongues like as a fire set on the believers' lives and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And men, devout men from every part of the country that spoke different languages heard their own language that came from people that didn't even know how to speak their language. But a fire was ignited. And the fire that was ignited on the day of Pentecost ignited the most unruly part of our body, the tongue. And today, Lord, walking with Jesus, Lord, and acknowledging you as being a chief cornerstone of our life gives us the ability to say good things about the goodness of God and your mercy and the great provision you've made for today and of tomorrow and the provision you've made beyond the life that we're now living. And for all these things, Lord, we seal the envelope today of this message by saying, we love you, Jesus. But before we loved you, you loved us. And you took us in to be a part of your life when we were unlovable. And you loved us to who we are today. And we give all the praise to you this morning in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, Amen. Would you stand?